Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So, thank you to everyone who has even listened to an hour of the podcast, four seconds of the podcast, or whatever you've done with the podcast. Thank you. So, if you can please continue to share it with friends, if you can please continue to review it, to download episodes, it would be really, really appreciated because the reviews and the stats and the follows and the downloads are where it's it's put in front of more people and that's where the, the listenership can go up the continued message can go out the more support it can get and it will be really really appreciated if you go and do that for me before you go any further with the episode so today's episode is something it has been covered before on an episode and i think it's like episode two six eight maybe i think and I think it's 268, 278. And it was on an episode with intuitive eating expert Evelyn Trabole. And it's something that I wanted to talk about for a while. I just hadn't kind of figured out how to word it. And the whole thing that we're going to talk about is the last supper syndrome or last supper mentality or whatever you want to call it. And I think this is going to sound, you may not know what it is what I'm talking about, but when I explain what it is, you'll be like, that's me. And that's the point of this episode. So picture what happens on, if you're thinking in your head of diet starts Monday. So it's Sunday night. You're sitting there. You're getting ready to say goodbye to all that food freedom you've had over the weekend. All those favorite foods that you've had. You may even call it a cheat day. I don't know what you're cheating on. But, and then you're preparing yourself to get back on track in inverted commas. But what happens is you end up overeating beyond fullness because you don't know when the next time you're going to be able to have those foods again. That you've had over the weekend, you've had them in abundance. It's kind of scarcity mode during the week, abundance during the weekend. And then unfortunately you feel guilt, you feel ashamed and you convince yourself you can't be trusted around these foods. And you go into that mentality of, I can't have these foods in the house, I'll lose control. But I think you need to take a big step, biggest, take a big step back and, and say to yourself, well, are you actually in control or is the food in control? If you think about who's directing the decisions, is it the food or is it you? My guess is if it's something like that you can't trust yourself around those foods, that means food is directing yourself. That's directing you to where you want to go, where you don't want to go. But often it's not the food that's the issue. It's how we see ourselves is projected onto the food. So if you think of it this way, if we have a salad, we are a good person. Pat on the back, well done us. But if we have something like chocolate or we have crisps or ice cream, what we say to ourselves then is we're a bad person. I shouldn't have done this. I'm lack of willpower. I'm weak. But that's not what you are. You ha- what, What's at play is you're scared of having those foods. And you ha- it's not down to willpower. It's not down to being down to weak. It's not down to being having high motivation. It's not down to any other negative connotation that you can put towards it. The issue is the tactic that's at play. That you're not allowing yourself to enjoy the food. You don't, you don't trust yourself around food. And the big thing is like food is always going to be there. Like it's not like tomorrow that chocolate or those crisps or the ice cream or whatever your food of choice is, is going to stop, it's going to stop existing tomorrow. 
And that's something to really, really think about. And I think that that kind of Last Supper syndrome, that Sunday night feeling, is really, really, really familiar to an awful lot of people. And it can be described as that impulse to consume the foods that you're about to kind of swear off with your new inverted commas diet or your new inverted commas lifestyle. And you don't know when you're going to be able to have those or allow them to have again. But you have to think about it. Why does that actually happen? Because it, it can happen for many reasons. But if you think about it, every time you've ever started to go on a diet, what's the two or three things that are at play? One, it's probably started on a Monday. Two, they've involved restriction. And number three is that your relationship with food or your relationship with yourself isn't amazing. They're the three things that are brought into a lot of things into well the weight loss or if I lose weight I'll be happy but it's not really the issue that's really not the issue if it's a short-term solution you're looking for great but many people are fed up with going up and down up and down there's nothing wrong with that if you're if that's okay with you but if you've gone off on this whole idea of deciding to start a diet each and every Monday and then spent the whole weekend gearing up for this kind of upcoming diet by gorging all those favorite food. Guilty pleasures, as you might call them. As if every meal or the last supper, as it's called, is your is is going to be your last. You're not alone. And what's directing this is it's the fear of scarcity. It's the power of scarcity and that restrictive mindset around food. And unfortunately, a lot of people can be addicted to that restriction element because they're looking for someone to put rules or parameters in front of them. So think about it this way. When, when, what happens when you're told you can't do something? The mindset will go, well, oh, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. Think of it this way. Generally, you want to have it even more. It's like when you tell a toddler that they can't play with a toy in the, to- in, in the, in the room except for the, the blue big ball. Guess what happens? Exact same thing happens. You're going to want, the kid's going to want to play with that ball. It's like if I told you not to press the big red button, what's going to happen? You're going to want to press the big red button. It's the exact same idea with the food. If I tell you, you can't have something, you're going to want to have it. It's this scarcity thing. If I tell you that you can't do something, you're going to want to do it even more. And some research has, has kind of shown that restricted access to food and even that anticipation of restriction is linked to an increased tendency to eat that food in a binge-like fashion. So before I go further, you need to understand what binge eating is and overeating is and emotional eating is. Overeating and emotional eating are linked and they are that you overeat past your fullness but you can stop if you want to, but you choose not to because you see a higher purpose in not doing it because you're either trying to numb an emotion, don't want to deal with an emotion, or don't know how to deal with emotion, but the intent is that you don't want to deal with things. A binge is very, very different. A binge is you can't stop even if you wanted to. You're not aware of your surroundings, you're not aware of what you're doing, and it's like an outer body experience. In a study that was out there, it kind of showed that when restrained eaters were told that they would begin a week-long low-calorie diet starting immediately after their participation in a cookie taste rating test, 
They ate more cookies than their unrestrained eaters and the restrained eaters not asked to diet afterwards. So even when someone was encouraged to go on a long, uh, kind of a lower calorie diet, they, and the low calorie diet was starting the next day or immediately after, the person ate more calories or ate more cookies because they thought that they were going to, when, when can I get these again? I might as well eat them all now. It's kind of like a bear going into hibernation. They stock all the food, they eat all the food now so that they can sleep. It's essentially the whole thing. Our brains are not able to cope with the amount of food that is available to us right now. Our brains, there's some research showing that it's kind of like fight or flight mode in relation to when we were cave people. The cave people didn't know when their next meal was coming from. So when they did get their next meal, they decided to eat. And whenever they had that that food, they ate past fullness because they didn't know when the next one was coming. But now, if you think of it years and years later, we still may have that element of scarcity mode involved and in our brains. But now we have, the problem is that we have abundance of food. We have abundance of decisions to make. Is this food going to work for me? Is this better for me? Is this better for me? Is this worse for me? Is this better for me? And we can't, our computers in our head don't know how to deal with that. And our brains are wired to go for the easiest option. So another study showed that when participants were exposed to an environment where they were permitted to eat higher amount, restrained eaters did not significantly, sorry, restrained eaters did eat significantly more than the unrestrained eaters. So we have to look at it from another point of view. That a lot of people who may classify themselves as yo-yo dieters can get caught up in this vicious circle of binge restrict. And this can be led by a fear of restriction. This can be led by a fear of, res- of guilt. can be led by a fear of failure. So you think about it. When you know you are about to put yourself into a state of famine, how, would you, how could you possibly not feast? And what this does is this knowledge drives you to eat as if you'll never be able to eat those beloved foods again. And that's where it's coming from, that that kind of that cave person. But when fear and failure are driving you, how can you possibly succeed? Think about it. As you go through the week, you start to follow those diet rules that you potentially put on yourself. Should and shouldn't, good or bad, or whatever you call your restrictions. And then this negotiations happen. Should I be doing this? Should I be having that? I can't have this. I'm being good today. Those are language that I hear an awful lot from clients. But what happens is you start to build this up in your head of every time I've lost weight successfully, I've had to give up carbs. So in your head, you've created this story and fallacy that every time in order for you to lose weight, you need to restrict insert food like carbs or sweets. Of course you're going to lose weight by taking out a food group. Of course you're going to lose weight if you take out sugar. Of course you're going to lose weight if you take out carbs. Does it mean it's the best thing because you're not going to do it for very long? Probably not. But if you want a short-term solution, work away. But a lot of people that I know are listening to this and who I'm talking to on a daily basis don't want the short-term solution. They may want the short-term validation from the scales, but they may not want the short-term solution. But think about it this way. It's coming up to Tuesday and Wednesday and you're doing great in this restrictive diet. 
you've exercised for a few days so you think right i deserve this i've done really well this week so i'm going to deserve this i'm going to reward myself with these insert guilty pleasure foods but what happens is you've been so deprived that the little you allow yourselves into it a lot more than you intended the floodgates open and while it feels good being in that momentary part of bliss a moment of bliss the second you come down from that high the guilt the negative self-talk returns and that vicious cycle begins but how many times have you ever been how, how many times have you been going around and around and around doing this for for me from working with clients on a daily basis i i hear it on a, day, on a regular basis that people are caught in that spiral and it's hard to get off it it's not easy but it's also not easier just to stay where we are you have to look at it from this point of view if the rules of restrictive dieting aren't bringing success and willpower fails in the presence of rules how are we to reach your goals so when hunger is not the reason for eating reaching satisfaction is nearly impossible so if we use if we remove emotion for a second and we use a little bit more perspective so when it comes to how we see ourselves when it comes to our body shape when it comes to our weight everything is very very emotionally led and when it comes to those side of things like the weight how we look it's all based off what we think other people are going to think of us and that's not in our control so what do we do we project onto what is in our control or we think it's in our control food looking for things to comfort our emotions and how we feel about ourselves but think about it if the rules aren't bringing those restrictive diets and those rules aren't bringing any success to you and willpower fails in the presence of rules how are we how are you to reach your goals when hunger is not the reason for eating reaching satisfaction is nearly impossible so what do we need to do we need to remove the rules we need to end restrictive dieting we need to stomp out food stigmas and get rid, rid of the, your rules of diets your life of diets jump starts quick fixes or whatever you may call them jump start someone messaged me the other day and started talking about it. i think it was a dm so i need to kick my kick start my diet i'm like it's not a it's not a motorbike you don't kick start it or it's not a car you don't jump start it a lot of people can learn one thing and that is awareness we can this isn't sexy if i called this an awareness program it would be like people wouldn't be in tune with it at all they wouldn't it would be some sort of airy fairy kind of wishy-washy stuff that people wouldn't buy into but have you ever thought about listening to your body are you hungry are you bored are you overwhelmed are you celebrating if you are feeling any other discomfort it could be something else going on and your body generally keeps the score your body generally tells you that it doesn't feel safe and when our bodies don't feel safe that's when overwhelm can happen because we're trying to change everything we lose sight of our goal that's essentially what overwhelm is and we tend to use food as a comfort because it's been our one constant support in our lives people will love and leave us but food will always be there for us but what an awful lot of people think they need to do is like what well, i need to restrict harder or i need to diet harder i need to have more willpower i need to restrict more 
But what about if we actually took a step back and ask yourself the one question I love asking clients is, well, what does what does Shane need? What does Kira need? What does Ashling need? What does Sarah need? If you check in on yourself, think about it like you as if you were looking at one of your kids or your nephews or nieces. If they were not feeling great, you'd be checking in on them and saying, right, what do you need? Maybe you're not able to verbalize it and that's okay. But if you feel a little bit off and you feel a little bit panicked in your chest or your stomach, first sign would be to figure out where you are, where you're, where that discomfort is. Do a full body scan, taking a couple of big deep breaths in and figuring out where you are. Close the eyes, sit in a chair, hands on the legs, take a big deep breath in and figure out where you actually are. Where is that discomfort? Is it in your stomach? Take a big deep breath in, breathe out. Is it in your stomach? No. Breathe in through your nose. Okay, feeling a little bit of tightness in your chest. So it's in your chest. So what is actually going on in your chest? I feel panicked. I feel stressed. Okay, so has there been stress ramped up in your life through work? Has other stuff gone on in your life with family, friends, the kids, someone's gotten sick, work, deadlines? Has something gone on? Okay, so you feel stressed, feel anxious. What do you feel anxious about? What's causing that discomfort? Where is that discomfort? What can you do? What does insert name need right now? Okay, I'm gonna, I am gonna. need to go for a walk. I feel really panicked though. But maybe you need to go and talk to someone. Maybe you need to calm yourself down and do a couple of big deep breaths in. But if you're aware of how you what you need and you're aware of that emotional need that isn't there, well, it's, that's the first step to find out what's actually going on. It's not sexy. It's a, It's not a gimmick. But it's really, really important to figure out what's actually going on to figure out when you are emotionally eating, when you are potentially bored of eating. More often than not, if we were restrictive and we save our calories for the evenings, I've rarely ever seen that work. Like I would say, never work. Close to say that, that we're saving all our calories for the evening. Well, I'm being good today because I've had a raspberry and a rice cracker all day and I'm really really tired in the evening so no wonder I pick all that's what happens you pick all day in the oh you pick all evening because you haven't eaten enough during the day so we need to stop that whole element of fear that restrictive mindset of well if I eat throughout the day I'm going to gain weight no you'll probably feel a lot more energized but probably if we use perspective and logic will be kind of like no it probably reduce the amount of calories you're consuming because you're eating more steadily throughout the day and the overeating is happening on high calorie foods and if you eat less of those or eat less calories throughout the day guess what's going to happen you won't be eating as much so you won't be because the only way that drives fat loss or fat gain is through the total amount of calories but we need to look at it from a point that restrictive that fear in it, that that's there that whole thing of starving yourself, saving yourself for calories for the weekend and the and the week the the evenings, it doesn't it doesn't really work. People go into mass destruction when they try to save so many calories for the weekend. Ten percent is probably the recommended that I would say. That's not stats. That's not science. That's literally what I would say. So if you're having two thousand calories a day over the course of the week save 10% of those, brings it down to 1,800 calories a day and that gives you over the course of a week, it, give, it depends what night you're going out, but it gives you the course of about 1,000 to 1,200 calories that you can play around with and enjoy your weekend and you're aiming for that calorie average that we've spoken about an awful lot in the podcast. 
on that weekly budget, think of it like money. That will allow you to still be in your deficit. But before you can even start about losing weight, you need to address these issues, these food rules, these this emotional eating element. Because otherwise it's kind of like trying to save money but having a spending issue at the same time. So how can we actually combat last supper syndrome? And that first step is you need to get off the yo-yo diet train. Now that might sound like a big sweeping statement, but we need the first step is you need to get off that yo-yo diet train. We need to reject the diet restriction mentality by removing that need to start a new diet every Monday because that constant feeling of not being good enough as we are. And that guilt trip that ensues after a weekend of delicious food with friends and family. Like food is there to be enjoyed. Food is there as, as a way of enjoyment. If it wasn't, what would be our incentive to engage in the behavior necessary for our survival? Like if we're overeating, we're enjoying it. So there is a benefit to it. When you talk to clients and they're saying, well, why am I overeating? Kind of like, well, if you think about it, what, what's the trigger? Well, I'm, I'm restricting for the whole week or I don't feel safe or there's an emotion at play. There's generally that and a little bit more to it. But people are like, well, what, what, and you kind of dig into it. Like, what benefit do you see in, in, in this pattern? And like, well, I don't. It's like, well, we as humans, we don't do anything if we don't see a benefit to it. Think of it. Why do we have sex? Because it's fun and we can reproduce. Why do we eat? Because it's it's delicious. It brings us satisfaction. And it's to bring enjoyment. We don't do anything as humans if it do, we don't see a benefit out of it. But that that benefit that we use food for, for for can be short lived. It's a dopamine hit. It's a reward hormone. It gives us a, a temporary relief from maybe a long term emotional avoidance issue or not knowing how to deal with our emotions. So why does the actual, that yo-yo dieting train, should we call it, even exist? So why do we feel we're constantly on a diet or off a diet? Because if we keep being, if we look at your feed right now on social media, how much of it is weight loss? How much of it is fat loss based? And you're looking at certain body types. The quick fad diet industry they profit off repeat customers they know their programs don't work but they bring in these kind of little bit of like incentives as you kind of go along they bring in these kind of like dopamine hits along the way that you're kind of getting pat on the back for weighing a certain amount i rarely talk to my clients about what they've weighed in on their check-ins i spoke on focus on an awful lot more than that I rarely comment on it. And sometimes clients are like, well, you're not telling me if I'm doing well. And I was like, well, it's the least interesting thing about you. I know your goal is weight loss, but my most important thing right now is your mental health. And another thing is a restrictive diet is really, really, that many people will go on will increase food preoccupation. It can ultimately reduce lower self-esteem, which self-esteem is how we think other people see us and self-worth is how we see ourselves it can increase anxiety and can increase depression and increase weight cycling increase per body image increase developing the the likelihood of, of developing an eating disorder and we need to 
what I spoke about earlier about understanding ourselves and that awareness we need to bring back that a power to internal wisdom and we need to reject the rules that come along with restrictive dieting we need to learn how to start to listen to what our body wants what our body needs what we need our fullness our hunger cues our food preferences our cravings our satisfactions your body keeps the score it's the expert it's not some silly fat diet that you kind of generally go on the second one is we need to ditch the good or bad food mentality fad diet whatever it may be they love demonizing foods let's get something really crystal clear there is no such thing as good or bad foods it's just food foods everywhere whether you call them junk dirty clean whatever you want to call them they all have their place there's also no no such thing as those but they all have a purpose they all have energy they all have nutrients they all provide something to our bodies think about it this way fruit and veggies have nutrients in them to support health such as fiber and vitamins when people say carbohydrates are bad for you well i'm saying well fruit and veggies are carbohydrates does that make fruit and veggies bad for you and they're like no no no. i mean the other ones what about carbohydrates well so you mean like white starchy carbohydrates but what happens if i showed you an actual picture of how many carbohydrates we, or how much carbohydrates we need in a day just for our brains to function or how much carbohydrates you need to keep the regularity of your cycle every food for, serves a purpose protein helps to repair tissues it helps to have a positive impact on our immune system helps to build muscle helps to keep us fuller for longer Dietary fats help for necessary vitamin consumption and absorption, can help with flavor. Chocolate, crisps, all these things, they provide energy, they provide satisfaction and pleasure. Life is tough enough already without having to restrict those or needing to restrict those. Each of these foods give us different things, but that doesn't mean they're good or bad. And it doesn't make us good or bad for having them. So the next time you're actually labeling yourself or even blasting yourself that a food is good or bad, challenge yourself. Pause and say, right, how is this a good or bad food? Well, Slimming Clubs told me. Well, Slimming Clubs, the, Slimming Clubs told you the, the world was flat. Would you believe them? Slimming Clubs are the same people that say that a banana hole is grand. And if, you, if it's mushed up, it's a sin. But people forget that in order to eat a banana, it gets mushed up and then it becomes a sin. That makes no sense. Remove emotion let's bring in perspective and logic look at the food that you're having remind yourself of the purpose that it's serving you so before i came on i had an apple and a double decker a weird combo some people would say but the apple was providing me nutrients it was providing me with minerals it was giving me something that i wanted at that moment in time the chocolate was giving me something that i enjoy that I that adds to my life so they all have purpose but it's being aware of what that food is doing for you and the third one you need to look at and this can be difficult and I think people definitely if they're going along this alone I probably wouldn't advise it's kind of like learning not even learning how to drive and just getting a driver's license it's not how it works which is give yourself unconditional permission to eat so when you actually give yourself unconditional permission to eat no foods are off limits. And I know that sentence scares an awful lot of people. 
But this helps to put food more on a neutral playing field rather than some foods being held up on a higher pedestal. It also allows you to discover your true food preferences that maybe some foods that were off limits you don't actually enjoy as as much as you thought or you did or that some foods that you convinced yourself you actually don't truly enjoy. Now a weird question that I ask my clients and I've had an awful lot of clients recently say to me this is a weird question Shane. I'm like yeah it is. I ask them, have you ever actually tasted chocolate? And they're like, yeah, I've had chocolate. No, no, listen to the sentence. Have you actually tasted chocolate? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, yeah. So when think about it, if you think about it right now while you're listening to this or driving or walking, whatever it may be, think about when you're having the chocolate. It's scarcity mode. You don't know when it's going to happen again. But food's going to, chocolate's going to exist tomorrow. Think about when you're actually having chocolate. TV, relaxing, maybe the kitchen, raiding the presses you're not actually enjoying the chocolate it's a rush to get rid of it but if you actually sat down and let one piece of chocolate sit onto your tongue don't bite it let it melt check in yourself how you feel after that do you want another one okay maybe have another one or maybe you're okay with that put another one on and my guess is it would be really, really rich and you probably won't want another one. You may want another one, but my guess is past two or three, that satisfaction factor that you've been looking for reduces. And you actually don't enjoy it as much. The satisfaction factor reduces considerably as we have more of it. But so many people are in a rush, they're not even aware of how many they've had. They're in a rush to get rid of it and they're not aware of that satisfaction factor. But if you slow it down and write down, digestion will be better, you'll enjoy the food a lot more, you'll actually taste it. What's the rush? It's not a race to finish your food. It's not a race to get rid of the chocolate. Food will be there tomorrow. Chocolate will be there tomorrow. Remember within unconditional eating to permission to eat the foods and all those foods, you can remind yourself that you can have previously off-limits foods at all times. Now, this is scary. And some of the stuff that I work with clients at the minute is going through food rules and looking at which ones are the ones that they kind of recognize. Listing the, the easiest, listing the five food rules out, ranking them in order one to five, one being the easiest to address, five being the most difficult, and start with the easiest. But you're not in most of, I would say, no one's in a position to work on that alone. They need guidance on that. Food will still be pleasurable, but with food more, more with more food accessible, you'll likely find the pleasure is it response is actually a lot less intense, and you'll feel a lot less reactive or compulsive and a lot less emotional to it. In some research, it has shown that pleasure centers in the actual brain light up more in response to foods off limits. So if you say you can't have a certain food that reward system, those light bulbs go off in your head. So when a food is off limits, like ice cream, ice cream is class, I will never have a bad word about said about ice cream. Your brain is going to register that ice cream is even more pleasurable than if it, was, if it wasn't restricted. So it's leading to that cycle of loss of control. It's leading to that sign of more guilt or tr- trying to drive to try to start a new diet. Hence that one last supper. And it can be extremely hard to not fall into that last supper mentality. 
But if you are struggling with this, message a professional. If you are on a budget, there are budgets catered for everyone. You need support on this journey. If you'd like help, message me. If you're on a budget and you name the budget, I will point you in the direction of someone else. And I have no problem in doing that. I know a few people who are at various different budgets on, on things and I will happily send people on them that I trust and and respect. But getting to getting rid of that fear, getting rid of that guilt, get rid of the shame, get rid of those food rules, getting rid of that feel of loss of control. That's more important than what a weights weighing scales is saying. And that weighing scales isn't what even what you want. That's the ironic thing. You want a downward trend for a validation for your efforts. Because it's based off what you think other people are thinking of you. But what happens if you look at it from getting validation for your efforts about actually learning how to re-eat and relearn or rewire so that you have food freedom, food freedom from the rest of your life? Something to think about. So if you enjoyed this episode, please do tag me up on your story. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review up on iTunes and up on Spotify. And thank you so much for listening. I really do hope that you've enjoyed this episode.